Welcome in everyone to the Sunday recap. We are back today with our good friends, Rachel Reese and Brian O'Malley. Welcome in you guys. Oh, thanks for having us friend. Yeah. Great to be here. Yeah. Totally. It's good to have you guys. Uh, we had you guys on, man. Okay. So when I didn't even look it up, when, when was it? We had, you, this was a few months ago. Was it? I, I don't remember what month it is. I just know. <laughs> thanks to your reminder. I have to get Rachel back. That's right. <laughs> there. Oh, I know it was at the, the end. Of, are, it was at the second yeah. of the last Psalm, uh, uh, the Psalm 23. Cause we talked about, uh, uh, yeah, said. We, we talked about Psalm 23. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. right. Okay. So that, yeah, that was right at the end of last year, I think. Yeah. And we were, yeah, we were talking about all that. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you guys back, back in the studio. It's good, it's good to Great be to back, talk. man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. We're going to dig into uh, the third sermon in our series, Truth Over Trend. Um, primarily, this is dealing with, and what, what Pastor Scott said is end of life issues. Um, it's hard to kind of put a title on <laughs> on this for sure. But in particular, I think what we're going to do today is we're going to really dig into um, this passage from Proverbs and Leviticus that Scott brought up. And we want to talk through all that stuff. But before we do, everybody, uh, we are going to talk a little bit about what you guys are doing this spring at Stones. So um, first of all, uh, I want to uh, kick it over to Rachel, actually. Rachel, uh, you and Josephine lead our women's ministry right now. So yep. Crossing Women, um, the women's Bible study is happening. Tell us what you guys are studying, what is going on with that this spring. We are studying the book of Nehemiah. So yeah. last fall, we studied the book of Ezra, which was a delight. And we wanted to continue it because it's all, yeah. I mean, that that Ezra and Nehemiah was, is together. It's one book. They're, they're contemporaries. And so... Um, we're studying the book of Nehemiah, same format. We start, Lord willing, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if you... <laughs> yeah. So yeah. we're recording this on Tuesday, yes. uh, the 1st, so February 1st, and we are expecting a huge winter storm coming in tomorrow at yeah. some point. So we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. So so yeah. So we start, we're, go we're going through the entire book of Nehemiah. Um, we have some awesome teachers that we have been, yeah. um, you know, going over the passage. We have this awesome study that Josephine has, has written and put together. And yeah, we're super excited to continue the story in the Old Testament. So, awesome. Yeah. yeah, super cool. Okay. I want to ask a question because since we have some uh, Bible scholars here with us to talk about all this stuff, um, Ezra and Nehemiah, let's just ask this really quick. Mm. Is it one book? It was considered one book for, yeah, for... I mean, a long time, right? Brian, help me out. You have a degree. No, I'm, not help, I'm not helping you out. You're, you're on your own here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it's considered one book. Um, it has now been, I mean, it's separated in our Bibles, right? I don't mm -hmm. know exactly when that distinction was made, but it is It is one story of the people returning yeah. after the, the captivity. And so, I mean, isn't all of the Bible one story? Oh, oh Jesus, juke! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, it is fascinating. I, I think it was... That concept was first introduced to me a few years ago when I took a class on on uh, some of the Old Testament stuff, uh, histories and stuff. But what, what's interesting is when you read it together, yeah. um, you do see some continuities, um, and it does make a little bit of a difference when you do read it together, I think. Yeah. And, it, and it is interesting, I think, and really cool that you guys as a women's ministry are coupling those two together and walking through it through the entire year. So really You neat. miss a big part of the story if, yeah. you were, if you just read one or the other. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they both have great things to contribute to the story of redemption, but also it is like so much these, I mean, just well, thematically, just the way that it like unfolds, there's very much 
there's a section of Ezra, a, a couple sections of Ezra that also build upon, and it's so similar the way that it is structured in Nehemiah. So, yeah. and like really Nehemiah 13 is the, like, gotta have that to end it all. And it's the, I mean, it's the end of the Old Testament narrative. So yeah. it's so good. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah. Well, um, tell us a little bit about um, availability for women who may want to still jump into this. Is yeah. that possible? Yeah. So if you need childcare, childcare is closed, but we do have quite a few spots in the morning session. Um, few spots potentially available in the evening. If you are interested, you can email me. Uh, my email is Rachel. It's spelled weird. R-A-C-H-A-E-L mm-hmm. at Stones Crossing. And so if you Which just- Which is the true spelling. <laughs> is that right? <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Nobody ever misspells that. Um, so yeah, just let me know. Let Josephine know. Um, she does have the true spelling and we will, we'll figure it out for you. That's great. Yeah. So Rachel at stonescrossing.com. That's me. You can reach out to her. That'd be great. Brian, you are coming back this spring to uh, teach the Exodus class again. Tell us a little bit about your experience with that this last fall. How did that go? What, and what were some takeaways that you gained from that study? Oh, wow. Um, I thought it went very, very well. Um, we had uh, several people in the class that were uh, not afraid to, to discuss and to, to debate. Yeah. And I, I had an absolute ball with them. Yeah, yeah. I guess the, the, the biggest takeaway that, that, that I, I got is how many times in, in the book of Exodus that, that the Lord says that, that somebody may know I am the Lord. Mm-hmm. So whether it's the Egyptians, whether it's the Israelites, whether it's Moses, whether it's Pharaoh personally, mm-hmm. the the Lord was very concerned about that he be known. Yeah, he, he wanted to be known. Yeah, um, and and it was just it was it was very powerful. And then we do get to the building of the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to be with his people. He wants them to know him, and he wants mm-hmm. to be with them. Right. That right. was just oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, and it really sets up the mission for all of God's people at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a the, – the, the people of God, the people initially, like the Hebrew people, their mission was that they would be a light to the nations, right? That they, they're right. – uh, was told to Abraham that they would be blessed, that they could be a blessing mm-hmm. um, to to everyone, be a blessing, right? Right. It's, <laughs> Which it's brought, actually in, in – in Genesis 12, that's a command. Yes. It is not, you, you will be a blessing. It is a command to be a blessing. To be a blessing, that's right. And that carries over for the people of God today. That That is our um, our role is to be a light to the world, uh, to be a blessing to other people, and that all may know that our God is the God. Yeah. So um, Exodus class is happening on Wednesday nights. That's correct. Yeah. Um, right now, you can sign up for that. Uh, you can go on to and 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 also for uh, for women's ministry, you'd have to talk to Rachel. But you can actually sign up for the uh, Exodus class right now on StonesCrossing.com/discipleship. You can register for it there, um, and uh, check out all of the other things that we got going on too on Wednesday nights. Let's get going. I want to. I want to start uh, as we're looking at this by really digging into one of these passages, and in particular, I was looking at Proverbs uh, chapter sixteen. Um, the passage that Scott uh, started out here in his first point is Proverbs sixteen thirty one, 
Um, and I'll just read it here since uh, it's, it's uh, short. So uh, it says, gray hair is a crown of glory. It is gained in a righteous life. This is what I think is really interesting about this passage is because is it saying as you get older that everybody, no matter what, has gained, you know, this righteousness and all of the, the blessings and the, uh, of, of, of wisdom and all that stuff in Proverbs? Or is, you know, is it, is it saying that? I'm going to go back to Proverbs 1. Yeah. And just, just to look at the, the purpose of the book, the introduction to it. It's good because, again, and this is just from a, a, a biblical interpretation type mm-hmm. of thing. Like, you have to understand the context of the book that you find these verses in, and Proverbs especially is unique. So, so yeah, you can set this up for us. Why Proverbs is so unique in this? Okay, so I, I'm just gonna, I'm going to read the first four verses. Um, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Mm-hmm. So that, that's how the book opens up. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book itself is actually a, a collection of collections. So in chapters 1 through 9, uh, you get you get some organization. You get some admonitions, some prohibitions, you get some stories, uh, the personification of wisdom. Right, that, that, that's really interesting too, that whole section. Yes, yeah. it is. And then uh, from basically chapters 10 through 22, you have what would look like just unrelated short sayings mm-hmm. that, are, that are placed together. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you get more collections mm-hmm. and then eventually closes with the um, I can say it in Hebrew, but I can't remember. <laughs> the woman of noble character. <laughs> the woman of noble character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aisha Shail, is that what it is? That's, a, that, yeah. Yeah. that's an interesting problem to have no, there, Brian. Was, was like, I've minute. never personally had that problem yeah, before, yeah. but that's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, but, you know, that's, that's how it closes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that sets up the context. Then. Yeah. What, what's interesting about this is, you know, in other other books of the Bible, one of the things we always kind of look for is like, uh, so first of all, genre, right? We're mm-hmm. always looking for genre. Proverbs is, is is its own unique genre because it's not, you know, it's not going to function like a narrative. Um, verse to verse may just be very disjointed, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to jump, may jump to something else. Um, some people have kind of looked or hypothesized for maybe some connection between some of them. But there's no real agreement on on any of that, and so for the most part, almost the safest answer is they're not they're not connected. It's 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 like w- this little saying. They are proverbs. They are proverbs, if you will. That's the, yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they are exactly. And so um, and so it is interesting that you can you know look at look at a passage like this and and just this is the one time where it may be okay. To kind of pluck it right out mm-hmm. as, as a verse, mm-hmm. rather than look at the look at the surrounding context in some ways. Right. But, I mean, you still want to look at look around. Yeah. Because there there might be something there. Yeah. There, there might not. So. Yeah. I think it's in in twenty six where you're talking about um, the the fool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's yeah. a, there's a whole bunch of verses together about the fool, and you think this is all about the fool, and then there's this 
this clincher at the end. You see the man who's wise in his own eyes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, the fool is better off than he is. Right. So th this is you know. So there there are places where where verses hang together. This this is not one of them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> or at least it's not clear. It doesn't it doesn't seem clear for yeah. sure. Yeah. Well, to your question about whether or not you know wisdom is just gained with age, because wisdom is uh, all over Proverbs, right? Mm -hmm. And. I, I think, I mean, I was going, I just keep thinking back to maybe it's because it's what we studied in women's ministry last year, James 1. If you lack wisdom, it doesn't say grow old and experience life and, you know, then that's going to give you. It says if you ask, lack wisdom, let him ask God who that's gives right. generously to all, to all without reproach. So, um, yeah, I mean, you made the point before the podcast, but you, you, it doesn't just come naturally with age. It's something that is given by the Lord, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, we, we see plenty of examples where wisdom doesn't, or age does not equal wisdom. So That's of right. course we can't say that, but I think that is so like, even in just this verse, it is gained in a righteous life, not just in a life that has been lived. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can even see that when looking to the very next verse too, like it says the, the verse 32 says, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. And I think, you know, we've all heard the stereotypical story of the crotchety old man that's sitting on his front lawn yelling at the kids, get off my lawn, you know, like th stuff like that, right? So, so uh, there you have a situation where age does not equal the ability to be slow to anger and rule your spirit. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Uh, so, so, so in that, that, that's true. But look at what it says, though. I think it's fascinating. It says, gray hair is a crown of glory. This is the main passage, right? Gray hair is a crown of glory. How is it gained? gained in a righteous life well how do we how do we have a righteous life jesus <laughs> no truly yeah. it's i mean it, we can't there there are none who seek god no not one yeah. there are none who are righteous we I, and that's man the striving that occurs if you are trying to be wise in your own eyes and trying to to establish yourself in yourself righteousness and wisdom well, you are going to be a crotchety old man telling people to get off your lawn because that's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. It, well, and, and it's true. I mean, I, I think this is, I mean, it's not explicit, but it's pointing us to the solution, right? It's pointing us to the, to the, the answer of if you want this, this crown of glory as you age, um, that living in fear of the Lord right? Mm -hmm. uh, according to Proverbs, right? Like, right? like that's what he says, verse seven, right? That, that the fear of the Lord is, is the beginning, beginning of wisdom. Of wisdom. Mm -hmm. So spending your life living in the fear of the Lord um, is, is how then you, you get to this point in your life. We can't expect to gain that just by, by, by aging. However, um, and this, this goes back to Scott's point, uh, regardless of whether or not we have gained that um, uh, that that righteous life and the crown of glory and all that, every single life is worthy of uh, of honor mm -hmm. uh, because we are made in the image of God. Right? We come back to this imago dei issue. To go with that imago dei, like I think of. Like the fear of the Lord, and, and we even saw this in the Leviticus 19 passage that, that we were looking at also on Sunday. The, the you shall fear God, I am the Lord, is right after the you shall stand before the gray head and honor the face of an old man. Like so much of this and so much of these instructions, like you said, it's it's love of neighbor. It's, it's, it's honoring each other regardless of, right? I mean, mm 
Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I guess I just thought of the, the, um, when the, when the Pharisees asked, what is the great command of the law? Trying to trip up Jesus. Yeah. And he says, you shall love the Lord, your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. Mm-hmm. And that, like that part, a second is like it always gets me. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that, but I just feel like so much of that, that honor, that, that, that view of life, that life is intrinsically valued, mm-hmm. um, is so wrapped up that, that love of neighbor is so wrapped up in the fear of the Lord, in our understanding of who God it is. is. It is. Because, yeah. because of the way that God views people, because he has put his, he has formed us from the dust. He has put his breath into us. He mm-hmm. has put his image into us. Mm-hmm. All of us, then we should view people the way that he does. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Again, we're, we, we are clearly made in the image of God. And in the fall, in Genesis 3, that image was was marred. Mm. It was corrupted, but it was not destroyed. Mm. And God actually repeats that, that man was made in the image of God in Genesis 9. So this is after the fall, but everybody is still made in the image of God. It's not, it's not just the, the ones who are put together. Right. It's, it's the broken. Yeah. It's... Mm-hmm. it's Everybody. Yeah, and uh, that's where exactly where I was going was Genesis nine six because because you have you you see the imago day the image of God thing appear in Genesis one Genesis mm-hmm. two like you see it there it gets reiterated like you said here after the flood and it's almost um, reiterated with this huge exclamation point because of the warnings that are given with this as right. well so it says this is Genesis nine. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to start at verse five. It says, and for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning from every beast. I will require it. And from man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. What does he say? Uh, and it's set off in it, this verse six is now set off as a, almost as if it's a poem or, or, or something else going on there. But it, it says, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed, for God made man in his own image. And you see it really put this exclamation mark on it. It's like, look, the image of God is a big deal. Mm. Yeah. And, and we see that in the people, in, in all of humanity, in, in people. Um, and so the, the taking of that life um, is, uh, you know, we can go to the commandments of like, do not murder and things mm-hmm. like that. But this is kind of getting at the heart of why it's because right. within us, within every single person, regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, there is the image of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is valuable and worthy of honor. Regardless of age. Regardless of, yeah. Regardless, or, or any regardless other of fill in the blank. talk about fallen condition okay okay so it, when we you know scott scott's message was really framed around a fallen condition that we see in our culture today and that is uh he mentioned a number of things he mentions we live in a culture where we worship youth mm-hmm. right uh youth is is held up high um and being older is considered a problem right <laughs> he called it a disease uh i was like well yeah that's 
I mean, I, I think he's spot on with that. That's the way our culture views it. Well, I, I mean, physically and also, you know, what's the we use the derogatory term for, you know, using calling people boomers as a, you know, way to put them down. Right. Isn't that I think we see that all over the place. You're more cu- culturally. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm down with, with the youth. Than, <laughs> than, uh, than I am. But uh, yeah. No, and you sure. both are more so than I am. <laughs> So a few weeks ago, my wife, Erica, sent me this meme and she just thought it was unbelievable. So it was a picture of two different TV shows uh, put side by side. One picture was from the latest reboot of Sex and the City. Mm-hmm. OK. Um, and then on that picture, you got three women and the way that they're dressed, you know, they've got sort of, you know, long, straight hair. Um, they've got a lot of makeup on. They're wearing kind of slinky dresses. They're walking around the city. You know, it, it, it's that kind of a look. Uh, right next to it was a picture of the Golden Girls from the 80s, okay? <laughs> and Rachel's hands go oh, up. <laughs> Thank you uh, for being a friend. Just, <laughs> that show. And the Golden Girls, you know, if you ever watched that show, um, they would wear, uh, you know, they would have like a shawl on or a brooch and they, you know, dressed very modestly, conservatively. Their hair was had the the kind of a, a curly mm-hmm. kind of look to it. Some of them had big glasses with the chain on it and things like that, right? And here's what's fascinating about this meme is it, the re- reason why it went out is because it 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 said both of these groups of women uh, on these shows are around the same age. Yeah. And how so? What it is is it's pointing out how in the last forty years we've transitioned in our culture in such a way that the way that women in their 50s and 60s are supposed to look are so, so categorically different. Um, you know, so it's that now uh, this whole like worship of youth. The illusion of youth. Yes. It's now in like the way that, that women in their 50s and 60s are supposed to look like now, according to our culture. Hmm. Why do we think that is? Because well, you don't see that for men. You don't well. Not you, as much. Not you as do. Much. That's yeah. No, not as not as much. You do. I don't know. I mean, do men get shoot, Botox? Probably. Look at um, what's his name, uh, Ant Man. Oh, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Man alive. That's fair. <laughs> he, he, he's look. He, the guy's in his fifties and yeah. he's looked the same. He, he got sexiest man alive this year. He hasn't aged you know? since Clueless. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but 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 there is I think part of it has to do with a fear of death. Yes. Right. Uh, it's a that, it's a very temporal. It's yes. a very like this is it. This is now. So we I actually was listening. This is that's crazy. I was just listening to a podcast of uh, lovely humans that love the Lord, but they were talking about skincare and they were like, listen, you only have one face. You only have one face. So you got to take good care of it. And I was like, that's a lot <laughs> to yeah. have to. Yeah. I, I, yeah it, I mean, it's it's the idol of appearance, right? When it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's, is it wrong to take care of yourself? Is it wrong? No. I, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, I, I don't think that's the issue. Is it your no. God? Then yes. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, don't, don't hear what we're not saying. For here, sure. People, you know? <laughs> hey, wear your <laughs> pearls, wear your fancy dresses. There's, I, I don't, I mean, it, it, it's all about the heart, right? Yeah. All of it comes down to the heart. Exactly. Why are you doing that? Exactly. Why are you seeking the, the proverbial fountain of youth? Right, right. Um, but, but that's really the thing. It, it, I mean, let's, this is where I think what, what we need to dig into mm-hmm. because our heart fears death, right? Our, our, our fallen condition, we fear death. Aging is a sign of that, you know, that, that that's coming, you know, um, 
as we as we do that, where is our heart in all of this? Now, what happens to the Christian? Like, where should the Christian's heart be as we as we approach um, the end of our life here on earth? I mean, it's a it's a daily glorifying of the Lord. I think. I mean, we talked about that God knows that God has numbered our days, mm-hmm. so He knows. Mm-hmm. He knows, right? So what are you going to do every day? And what is, what is, I don't know, what is your intention with every day? Mm-hmm. Um, are you going to seek the temporal? Are you going to, to emphasize and look through, look at everything through the lens of here and now I gotta, I gotta live. I yeah. gotta do this. Th- or are you going to look through the lens of eternity yep. and then form what you do every single day when you wake up mm-hmm. through that? Mm-hmm. That's, that's where my mind was going, that there's an eschatological perspective here that helps us to then frame the way we live mm-hmm. in the now. Like if we're thinking about heaven and the new heavens and new earth, and that God is actually going to give us a new body, so actually we have two faces. <gasps> uh, <Burn. laughs> so, you know, so like, so like if, if we're thinking about all that sort of stuff, then that changes the way that we, you know, that we live now. It changes the way that we're probably going to prioritize the way that we look, how we spend our money, how we spend our time, how we, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's going to affect all of those sorts of things. Yeah. I need more of that perspective. After working at home for the last two years, it gets kind of, <laughs> it gets kind of tough to day in and day out. Yeah. Wait a minute. What am I doing here? Why am I, why am I doing this? <laughs> what is the purpose of my life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a shout out to all you guys at home right now working yeah, while you're but listening also, to this podcast. Like, but also to say like <laughs> there is there is good and God glorifying moments in the midst of the ordinary. Like that's not to say yes. like you got to sell all your stuff and go be a missionary. Somewhere. Sometimes that is what the Lord calls you to do. But right. also like to just know and sometimes, man, sometimes it is just viewing our circumstances that are hard, that are ordinary, that are, I'm a stay at home mom, y'all. Like I am not doing anything glamorous, but to remember that all of that is done can be done for the glory of the Lord, whether it's, you know, the awesome job that you're doing working from home or actually working in a church or wiping my kids' butts. Like it's, all of it can be done because it's, again, it's not about what you do. It's about why you do it Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. how you're viewing those things. Are these things, am I just living for these things and just trying to get through the day, which listen, sometimes I am (laughs) simply, or is it, are you learning things through that? Are you form, like, is God forming? Are you seeing the way that God is forming your character to be like his son through all of those every single day till the last day that you're on, on this earth? Yeah. You know, one of the other things that Scott mentioned that's part of our fallen condition is this notion of abandoning the elderly. Um, and I thought this was this was really interesting um, just because, um, you know, when you look at the way that our culture has gone, uh, 40, 50 years ago, things like nursing homes and, and, and elderly care facilities did not really exist. Like, there, there were some things like that, but again our culture has shifted in such a way that that's sort of the expectation of what we are supposed to do when we get to a certain age, then you just kind of get put away in one of these homes. And, um, and it's not like people don't visit you and things like that, but sometimes that does happen. Mm -hmm. You get, you know, left alone. Um, so how does our, our perspective, eschatological perspective, whatever, how, how does that change the way that we approach this, how we're, how we're to care for our, the elders in our life. And there I see a couple things. One, the, the fact that, that 
the elderly are still made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. That that's one thing, mm-hmm. one aspect, and the other aspect is we have to care for our families. That that is yes. that is a a biblical obligation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so caring caring for your families and and the fact that that again even the elderly are made still made in the image of God. They are image bearers. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, and to think, I mean, why wouldn't you? Like, what's your reason not to? Because it's a burden on you? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's hard? Yeah. Right. Um, and that's not to say that we do it in our own power and do it in our will, but we seek, we look to, I mean, Jesus didn't have to do that for us. I don't know. Like, I... It's removing our it's 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 removing our own comforts and it's looking to the, you know, to others, mm-hmm. and not seeking our own mm-hmm. comfort, our own. I, mean, I think it's comfort. Yeah, yeah. It, it, we talked about this a little bit last week with the abortion topic mm-hmm. because there's this there's this notion that kind of like what you're saying there that. In our culture, one of the things that we really value is our own comfort, yeah. our own pleasure, and we elevate those things above pain and suffering. Yeah. And for us, our goal ends up being, or for, for our culture, our goal ends up always being like, let's eliminate as much suffering as we can and experience as much pleasure as we can, and that becomes the ultimate value <laughs> in our lives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when it comes to taking care of the elderly, it is hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes there are are issues that come up with that that are are, are very very difficult, and um, and I would say too. In the moment, though, there is a good and holy purpose for that. So so there's a couple of things I was thinking about with this. So so first is is and, and Scott brought this up too, but it was just the idea that God knows when we're going to die. Like th- these are things that He has. I mean, and I would argue, according to Scripture, he has set those things. So, yeah. like, last week we looked at Psalm 139, verses 13 through 18, and verse 16 says it. It says, um, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Um, and again, uh, and Scott mentioned it too, Job 14, 5 says the same thing a little bit more explicitly, that that God has God has numbered our days. It says he knows the years and the months of our, of our life. So what that means is, is that if we're still alive, that there's a good and holy purpose for why we are alive, right? And whether that's for, for us um, or for the people around us, that God has intention there. God, God, God has a purpose in that. Um, I'm, I'm totally hogging the mic, but... Uh, I want to say this this one story so because like w- my family just kind of went through something like this recently. So my my grandma passed away uh, in October this last year, and my grandma she was she was ninety one years old and for the last seven years had been really struggling with Alzheimer's, and because of location my uh, and, and a couple other factors my mom was primarily her caretaker through that, and so my mom had to do a lot of work of number one finding. Um, uh, learning as much as she could about Alzheimer's disease and what that what that does to a person and getting my grandma to doctor's appointments and finding medications that were going to help and taking care of all of her other you know physical needs and all that stuff and then there did come a point where 
the the because my because my mom could not physically care for her and in, in her specific needs that it made sense for her to be in a place where there were doctors and staff around her to help to take care of those things and i would say places like that are really helpful in those situations sure. right um but um you know through all of that you know i one of the questions that just kept coming up and especially near the end was like, why is she still alive? Like, and not, not that we wanted her to die or or anything like that. It it was just, it was just, she was suffering Mm -hmm. and, and it was, it really, I mean, it was a hard thing for everyone else as well. Um, and so, so I think one of the questions that came up was just the question why and, now, I don't know all the answers to that. I don't think that we can know. But I think we can say whatever it is, it could have been for her, what maybe God was doing something in her in that time. It could have been for my mom, um, that the Lord was was teaching her things through that period of time. It could be for my mom's siblings, other siblings. Um, it could be for the caretakers at those facilities that she was in. I don't know. But there was something there. We, we have to believe that for whatever reason, the Lord saw fit to preserve her until... Until the last day. Until that day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think of that, I mean, I hadn't thought of that because Logan's grandma just passed away um, recently. And I think, um, man, her funeral, just the timing of her funeral, like this is not even just her life at the end because she was she she went um, blind years ago. She was had hardly haven't had any hearing and just like you said, similar. Like she sits in all day and you know what what can we do for her? We can't even help her. We tried to get her like an Alexa that could play music, but she couldn't hear it. And it was just it was really heartbreaking to just observe. But her funeral. There were, you know, there are unbelieving family members. What that pastor preached at her funeral, like, I have to believe that that was given at the right, at the exact right time. For I know the circumstances that were in some of the people in the audience, and even in, in just that, and that simple little, mm. you know, message that was given at her funeral. Like, man, I could just sob thinking about how the Lord is using, using that in, in the lives of, like you said, you don't know. Mm-hmm. You don't know. And, and you saying that just brought that to mind of, yeah, I, God absolutely did that and worked in that and allowed for, for that pastor to be able to give that message on that day. And it just, we don't know. And we don't, we don't always get to see those things though, which is, is difficult. We don't get to see necessarily. Yeah. God doesn't show us uh, why he does the things that he does, but we know that he is good and that he can be trusted. Mm-hmm. And so we just, we just trust. Yeah. You mentioned another word that I that I thought was pretty important. That's teaching. Mm. Um, I got to watch my parents take care of my grandparents, mm. and that that was amazing. Yeah, absolutely amazing. Yeah, um, my grandmother was in a wheelchair for the last ten years of her life, mm-hmm. eight, eight to ten years of her life, and uh, my other grandmother. Uh, was aphasic, so sometimes she had a real hard time communicating. Mm. And uh, one of my grandfathers lost a leg. Okay, yeah. And so just just watching my parents tend tend their parents, mm-hmm. it's like okay, this is how it's done. Yeah. This is this is this is the way you take care of your parents. Yeah. And that's that that was 
that um, was very formative for me, very, uh, very important. And um, it's almost my turn to, mm. to take care of my parents. And they set just a beautiful, um, selfless example yeah. for, for me to follow, for, for me and my siblings to follow. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, you know, my kids will will see the same thing mm-hmm. and then they in their turn will do likewise. Yeah. Well, let's look at, now that we've kind of dug into some of this application because I mean, I think that's a, that's, that's a big part of it is thinking through, you know, who are the elders in our life? How, do, how are we going to honor them and care for them? Well, and this may not be your parents. It, right. You exactly. know, yeah, right. this, the, you know, we are a family of God. This may not be your parents. This may be your neighbor. That's right. This may be, you know, the person that you've grown up going to church with. I think this can, um, you know, this can extend it's just care for care for one another, carry each other's burdens. That's mm-hmm. what we were. That's what we were made to do. Mm-hmm. Holly actually works for a, a, a clinic, a ministry, where their goal is to care for the, their care for the elderly and get them so that they can stay home, mm. independent as long as possible. Yeah, and um, it's it. There's there's no. I don't see a reason why the church couldn't do something like it. Mm. Mm. You know, where it just, um, you know, they get medical staff. The medical staff takes care of all the all the medical care for these uh, participants, patients, whatever you want to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, but they do it all to 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 allow these people to live. A, a dignified life as independently as possible mm-hmm. until they get to the point where they, they just can't. And mm-hmm. then they, they minimize the amount of time they have to spend in, in like palliative care or hospice. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's a really neat application of the truth about the end of life. Yeah. You know, so they're, they're, that's a neat ministry. That's really awesome. cool. I didn't know that. You know, Scott's last point with all this was that one of the one of the the ways of our culture, the lies of our culture, is that our value is based on our contribution to society. Right? He talked a little bit about personhood theory, which that was new to me. I didn't. I mean, again, I'm not like super in the know with it comes to stuff like that. But um, but that was a really eye opening thing for me um, hearing about that. And and um, and so if, if you missed that, uh, just a quick summary, the idea with personhood theory is that our value is based on what we can do or what we can contribute to society. And if we are deemed someone who cannot contribute something to society, then um, then removing us from the society is, is then the next course of action, and that is typically done through death. I think that, go, you know, kind of going back to all this is that there needs to be a especially I mean, for the Christian, there needs to be a recognition that our value does not come through what we do. Um, our, you know, our, our salvation uh, is, and the gospel itself is predicated on that notion. <laughs> and for us to, um, to believe in a, something like a personhood theory or just that 
any notion that that our our worth is based on what we can give, what we can do. It is completely antithetical to the gospel to say that your achievements can do anything for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And especially to give us our own value, our worth, our identity even, like that that those achievements are things that then speak to who we are and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a, what a, what a bald face lie, uh, like right, right, a, right. And what in a the, part it, man, <laughs> man, the oppression, the oppression that that can just, holy smokes, what a load to carry that we were never meant to carry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's the culture of hustle. Yeah, hustle. Yeah, yeah, work, man. Right, right. But this is why I think the gospel is so important. And this is, I think, I mean, let's just land it here, right? I mean, let's talk about the gospel. <laughs> when we talk about the good news of of Jesus Christ, it is. The truth that number one, we were all made in the image of God, right? Yep. And therefore, we are all we all have an inherent value, an inherent worth, an inherent dignity because of that, mm-hmm. regardless of every other circumstance in our life. Um, that there is a, that that inherent worth, and that secondly, what we contribute is sin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, I mean, isn't that our achievement? That right, we screwed it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. In terms of, of God stepping in, he's, he essentially said says that that my image in you is so valuable that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make it whole again. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the price for uh, Rachel's sin is is taken care of mm-hmm. the price for my sin is taken care of mm-hmm. and he's he's the one who who does that mm-hmm. he's, he's said the image of the image of god is there there's where the value lies yes. and what he did it's what we're talking about he entered into suffering and hardship and r- came down from glory to be uncomfortable to enter into the pain of the world why because he loves us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's who he is. Yeah. And because he wanted, he didn't want that to be our separation anymore. And, and he knew we couldn't do it. Yeah. That's what all of the Old Testament, speaking of the Old Testament, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Is that cyclical and of them trying. I mean, we're going to see that in Nehemiah of them. I got this now. We're going to do it. Oh. Uh, Spoilers. <laughs> they don't, and they can't. And it's what's uh, just the beautiful ending of that is, like, but all along in, in, in Malachi, it's pointing to the one who can is coming. Yeah. And he came, and he did. And that's, man, that's all we have to do. That's all we contribute. Yeah. The work of the Lord is to believe in the one in whom he has sent. Mm-hmm. What a gift. Yeah. He did the work. Yep. He, when he talks about a real contribution... To our value, it, it is Jesus that did that. Um, he perfectly fulfilled the law and died on our behalf, raised for our justification, and we are uh, declared righteous by His merits. Yeah. So, are we saved by are we saved by our works? No, no. we're saved by His works. <laughs> yeah. It's what it's what He's done for us. Yeah. And we rest in that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Well, guys, thank you so much for uh, this time together in this conversation. Um, this is such a hard issue in, in a lot of ways. I, I, and, and I know, I know that there are people in our church who are wrestling with this, who are dealing with this right now. So I hope, you know, if, if you're going through this right now and you're listening to this, I hope this, is, this was encouraging to you. And um, if, if we could be helpful at all to you in that, reach out to us. We would love to chat with you about it. And, um, and at the very least, just listen and pray, pray with you as you're walking through this with, um, with loved ones in your life. So, um, so yeah, we would love to do that. Uh, next week, we're gonna be continuing the Truth Over Trend series, uh, talking about sexual identity. So get ready for that. Uh, and um, and uh, so we'll be doing that next week. Uh, we will also have Mitch and Ariel back next week. Yay. Yeah. So we're looking forward to having them back. But guys, thanks so much for being here today. I, uh, Rachel and Brian, it's thankful always fun. for you guys. So. It's always fun. Cool. Cool, cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next time on the Sunday Recap. I have a couple more things. Oh, let's go. I got to go. So, Rachel, <clears throat> I would like to know, I have a couple questions for you. One, what does Nehemiah actually mean? Oh, snapdragons. Oh, what does Nehemiah mean? I don't know. Google it. <laughs> uh, now, wait a minute. You didn't give me a chance to Google it the last time. That's because you have a seminary degree, Brian. <laughs> What's that got to do with anything? I don't remember what Nehemiah means. Okay, so that's next the, question. Um, that's not the point of Nehemiah. The point no. is to see the work of the right. Lord. Right, well, you wanted me to read Hebrew last time, so <laughs> I'm asking you, what does Nehemiah mean since it's a Hebrew name? So, okay, so the next question. Um, Yahweh what, has comforted is uh, what Nehemiah means. I looked at my study Bible. Yeah. Okay. Way to cheat. Nice that's job. That's what it says. That's what it's there for. We use our brothers and sisters in Christ to help us in well, our I, edification. I expected you, from your expert studying, to already know that. Sorry, but. Phil. <laughs> hey, so, my so, achievements don't define me. You're right. I'm not defining <laughs> you by your achievements. I'm, I'm just evaluating <laughs> what you know. <laughs> so the uh, next question is, um, well, give me three main points from the book of Nehemiah. And three, Three Brian. main points. And and. We'll say a thesis statement for the book oh, of Nehemiah. Oh, listen, that's a funny question because Josephine and I went back and forth on what the theme of Nehemiah was. And do you know what our tagline is? We didn't come up with one because we didn't. We don't got it. Um, I think you see you see a couple themes in Nehemiah. One is uh, prayer and action. Prayer is all over the book. Um, you see immediately he gets this news and he fasts and prays for four months before he does anything about it. And that man, that's a gift to me. Um, but then. He does something about it. He goes and he goes back to goes back to the land. Um, what is another one? I think this is a theme throughout Ezra. You see it more uh, explicitly in Ezra because it actually says it. But the good hand of the Lord is on those who seek Him, and I think, um, especially with the Old Testament narratives, that's what you have to see. Like uh, you know, we talk about Esther all the time. Like God's not even mentioned in it, but you can so just see the hand of God working on those who seek Him. A third theme. Gracious, I don't know. I don't know. Um, God is faithful to his people. Um, we started in 
That's yeah. an easy one. The promise, That's but, all but, but no, but, but <laughs> we started with the promise, the promise of Abraham to establish the people in the land. And that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing here. Um, the importance of the city is is part of the, the biblical theme throughout, and that's really highlighted in the book of Nehemiah. Um, if you would like to hear more, come join us on Wednesdays. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'm not doing the nice, intro. Nice job. Nice job. <laughs>